Well, hey there, everyone. So glad to have you with us today. And I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to three different places today. We're going to be uh, looking at three passages. The first one is in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. So all the way at the end of the Bible. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Uh, we're also going to take a look at Psalm 51. So right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. And then Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Romans 1, 16 through 17. I want to share a message today entitled, Good News. Good News. Uh, you know, we all enjoy getting good news, don't we? Uh, in fact, I've never met anyone in my life who said, you know, Barry, I love it when I get a bad report. When I get some bad news, it's my favorite things. Never heard that. But we all hearing good news. Whether that's good news about something that affects us directly, uh, or maybe it's a family member or a friend who, who's received some particularly good news uh, that needs to be celebrated. Uh, and even when it comes to a global perspective, when we hear good news about things happening in people's lives around the world, I think it just does something in our souls. It, it just feels good. It's a, it just stirs us. And there's emotions and, uh, and there's all kinds of endorphins that are released as we celebrate with other people. Again, even even if we don't know them, we receive that good news. It does something on the inside of us. I want to talk about good news. And of course, today what I'm talking about is the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news as we find it just wrapped up in the, in the covers of our Bibles between Genesis and Revelation, that there is good news for us, good news available to us specifically about the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. You know, when it comes to the news uh, or the news media, we recognize that so much of what we hear today isn't positive. It isn't good news. Um, and, and it doesn't matter where you stand, you know, politically. It doesn't matter what your opinions are on that. In fact, my my desire today and my goal today is not to, to unpack you know, the, the merits or the demerits of what uh, the news media are. But we just recognize news can often be skewed, it can be inaccurate, it can be biased, um, and it's not always positive. It's not always good. In fact, it was a year ago when uh, COVID was just, you know, really at the, being revealed. We were understanding the, the depths of what we were walking through as a nation. We went into uh, stay-at-home orders and lockdowns, and it was the actor John Krasinski who started a, a YouTube channel called Some Good News, and he, in his living room with a video camera, just started sharing good news and good reports about what was happening around the world, and it went viral and went nuts because people were tuning in because they were like, we need some some good news. We need something positive and uplifting to 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 lift our spirits, to um to to just kind of offset all of the, the the things that we were hearing in other places. And so just a reminder that we we love good news. It's good for us. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to what Jesus has done for us and God's love for us, there is no greater news. Now, some of you maybe have known Jesus for a long time. You've walked with the Lord for a long time and you're going, well, this is going to be one of those elementary messages, one of those basic messages. Can I just encourage you, don't tune out. Don't tune out from what the Lord would want to speak to you today. Because I believe it's exactly in those kinds of situations where we can forget about the good news. 
that we can forget about what Jesus has done for us. And I think we're all in need of a reminder, if not daily, that we, that we have been saved, that we are loved, that we are redeemed, that God is for us, that he's not against us, that the gospel is the gospel every day of our lives. So we can, we can miss the importance. We can miss the significance of a word. In fact, there's so many words that we use that get used so much that we, we miss the deeper meaning. And I think the word gospel is one of those words that we can go, oh, it's, it's the gospel. I get it. It's the first four books of the New Testament. It's the gospel. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And so this really is a reminder for those of us who know Jesus about the goodness of God. And maybe you're watching today and you've never said yes to the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to do to say yes to him, to receive him, to receive the good news. Um, but we know this, that the gospel is the hope of the world. It is hope for those who are lost. So I want to read out of Revelation chapter 2 uh, to get us started today as we have this conversation about good news. So this is what John writes in Revelation 2, uh, starting in verse 2. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I'm going to pause there for a second. I want to give a little context before we go further. Uh, John is writing uh, a word that he's received from the Lord. And here in, in Revelation chapter 2, he is writing a message uh, that is that is for the church in Ephesus. Uh, it is specifically for the believers in that in that part of the world, in the city of Ephesus. And so, a little context to what's being said there. So, okay, here's what he says: I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot cannot tolerate wicked people, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered, and you have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. All good things so far. But then he says this in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Here's what God is saying to the church in Ephesus. You're doing all the right things, and that's, and that's good. That is actually a good report. That there were things that they stood for and things that they were committed to and ways that they served that honored God and that were a good thing. But then John writes, the heart of the Lord towards the church in Ephesus was this. In the midst of doing the right things, you've forgotten about that love. You've forsaken. You've walked away from the very thing that, that initially spurred you on, got you going to do the things that you've been doing. See, because at some point, you didn't know Jesus. At some point, you weren't walking with God. At some point, you weren't serving him. But then you said yes. You heard the good news. The gospel was presented, and you received it eagerly, and you surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus. You received the forgiveness of sins, and you began serving with joyful hearts the kingdom of God in the church in the local context. But God says to them, but along the way, you forgot that love. You forgot the joy of your salvation. You forgot, you forsook, you, you forsook the, the love that you had when you first came to know the Lord. And what does that look like? It means that maybe people were starting to serve or they were serving in the church, 
but they were not loving each other, that they were not expressing the love of Jesus in the way that they were doing that, that they were not committing their hearts to knowing God in a deeper way, that they were doing the work of the ministry without serving the God and loving the God of the ministry. And so that there was, there was this disconnect that formed in their lives. And, and God lovingly, th- through John, is saying this, you need to stay in love with me. You need to make sure that the good news, the joy of the gospel is at the very center of your lives, that all of the activity and all the things that you're doing are so important and they're so good, but not at the cost of forgetting about what I have done for you, the joy that would come from your salvation, the love that you had for me at that first point at that first point when you came to know me. This is, this is the, the, the reminder that John gives us. This is the, the urging that we would have, the, the encouragement we would have from him is, don't forget about that love. Don't forget about that love. We understand this, that it, love takes work. Love takes work. You have to invest in it. You have to keep it at the forefront. You have to keep remembering why it is that you are loved and why you love, whether that's your relationship with God or that's your relationship with your spouse or your children or the people uh, in your family or, or your friends. Love takes work, and it takes investment to love well. God says, don't forsake the love you had at first, the love you received and the love that you had for me. The psalmist writes in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, he echoes the sentiment, but he echoes the sentiment thousands of years before John even wrote that passage. This is what he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, would you restore, would you remind me about the joy of the good news of your the good news of your salvation? That that your salvation is the thing that sustains me. It is the thing that that undergirds me. It's the thing that fills me up. Restore it to me. The implication here is this, is that we can, we can lose that, that the joy of our salvation can be lost, and we can forget. In fact, we can get kind of grumpy. As followers of Jesus, we can get grumpy, that we can get stuck, that we can get into a rut, that we can get so focused on what is in front of us and the things that need to be done and the work that needs to be done. We can get reminded about even our difficult circumstances. We can lose the joy of our salvation. But the writer here of Psalm says, Lord, would you renew a steadfast spirit in me? Would you create a clean heart in me? That, that This idea of righteousness, in fact, we'll look at what Paul says about this here in a minute, that righteousness, this this pure heart, this steadfast spirit is rooted in the joy of my my salvation, the reminder of the good news of what God has done for me, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And by the way, if you think that the gospel is a New Testament idea, Uh, It couldn't be further from the truth that we see the gospel, we see the good news all throughout the Old Testament, 
all the way from from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see this theme of the new of the of the uh, of the, uh, of the gospel of the good news all the way through. And so here, this the writer of Psalms is saying, "Hey, hey, God, would you restore in me the joy of your salvation? Would you allow that to be the thing?" that sustains me, that my spirit would be sustained through the reminder of the joy that comes through your salvation. I want to share a little bit about my story, and uh, I've shared this over the years different times, so maybe you've heard this before, maybe you're hearing for the first time, but the best story, I think, for us to share is our own story. It's the story that that we know the best. It's the story story that, of course, is the most personal to us, Um, and we can share analogies and stories and illustrations, but just felt impressed today to share a little bit about my story. See, I, I grew up in the church. In fact, there's not a time that I can't, I, that I can remember not being in church. Um, my earliest memories were involved church, being at church. Uh, my parents were really involved and um, you know, we were there on Sundays. We did home groups during the week. We called them cell groups. I remember as a little kid going to cell group to a, a, a couple in our church who lived just down the street from us. We would go to their church. We would worship. We went on camps and, um, and retreats, and we had uh, conferences. I remember missions conferences at our church were an amazing experience, and we had speakers come from all around the world and come and share uh, about what God was doing, and I just remember just being so in awe of the Lord. But it was, it was through church, and, and specifically at a church family camp, that I met Jesus. I'd been around and I'd, I'd known of Jesus, and, uh, and, and there may have been a point where I'd prayed a prayer or asked Jesus, but this is the point where I can remember saying yes to Jesus. It was at a family camp, and the adults were off doing their thing. They were having teaching and worship and whatever the adults were doing, and there was a group of us kids who were uh, in this little A-frame chapel at this camp, and I just remember there was an older lady, at least she seemed older to me. I realize now when you're a little kid, everybody is is old, is old men and old women who, she might have even been in her 30s or 40s. She seemed older to me. But I remember this lady shared the gospel with me. She told me about how much Jesus loved me. And I remember she asked me if I wanted to receive Jesus into my heart. And I knelt, there was a bench, it was this A-frame chapel, and there was a bench on each side. And I remember kneeling at that bench, there was green cushions, weirdest thing. I remember the color of the cushions, but I knelt at that bench and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I asked him to be my Lord and my Savior. I surrendered my life to him. Uh, even as a child, it was, I was seven years old when that took place. And I, I, I surrendered my life to him. And I gave my life to Jesus. I received the good news. And it was a transforming experience in my life. And I've been walking with Jesus ever since. The next encounter I had with the gospel that I recall, and of course, I, I, I kept going to church. My family was involved. And, um, and God did all kinds of things in my life, even as a child, that I can, I can remember. But when it comes to the good news, not just being for me, but being for other people. Because I think one of the things is when you're surrounded by Christians, everyone already has the good news. But it's when you get out into the world, when you get out into places where you're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, that the gospel takes on this whole new dimension. I remember in 1984, 
my family had an opportunity. They were, uh, my parents were serving with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and we had gone on an outreach trip to Hong Kong. And uh, it was on this trip, there was a group of us kids that ha had learned some songs and, uh, and some creative movement things. And we were going to different schools in the Hong Kong area and we were sharing the gospel. And I remember there was a small group of us, only eight or, eight or 10 of us, that were in the school in Hong Kong, an elementary school, and hundreds, literally hundreds of kids came in and, uh, and we, we got to sing our songs and we got to share some testimonies. And I remember the leader of the group shared the story about Jesus and his love for them. And, and he presented the gospel and gave them the opportunity to, to respond and say yes. And, and said, you know, if, and through a translator said, if you would like to receive Jesus, would you raise your hand? And, and in that room of hundreds of Chinese kids in Hong Kong, there were hands all over. I mean, you couldn't count. Hands that went up into the air. And I just remembered being so overwhelmed, so many emotions, the joy and just tears, seeing, seeing kids my age respond to the gospel, saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And I realized that the gospel wasn't just for me, that the gospel was for other people as well, which, which I knew. But but in this moment, it was so in front of me. It was so, I was just so aware of how much Jesus loved every one of these kids. It was on the same, the same trip that we were uh, walking around Hong Kong. We had uh, tracts, we had little brochures about the love of Jesus that we were passing out to people. And I just remember there was this woman who walked up to me and, and in, in English asked me if she could have one. And um, we didn't have a conversation. She just, she just said, hey, could I have one of those, uh, those pieces of paper that you're passing out? And I just got to put it in her hand, and she thanked me, and she took it, and she walked away. But I was just so overwhelmed with the sense of, Lord, I, I got to be a part of sharing the good news. I didn't pray a prayer with her. I, you know, we didn't, the, the, the adults that I was with didn't, didn't ask, you know, to, to, to talk to her further. She just took it and she, she moved on with her, her day. But the realization that I got to share as a child the good news with an adult was just so overwhelming. And I just, there was just something so transformative about that. The realization that the gospel is for everyone. It was such a powerful experience. Well, I grew up, went through elementary and junior high and high school and uh, graduated high school and didn't know what God was calling me to, what the next steps were. I had an idea and there's some things that I tried and going to college and just things didn't work out. And then a friend of mine invited me to think about and considering going to Bible college, coming down to California and going to Bible college. And uh, it's when I arrived in San Dimas at, at uh, what was then called Life Bible College, now is Life Pacific University. Um, I stepped on the campus of that school and set my feet on the driveway. I remember the spot. I could go there today. And, and the Lord just impressed him. He said, Barry, this is what I have for you, that there's people who don't know me, and I'm calling you to a life of serving me and sharing the gospel and just, just the weight of, of that call. I didn't, I didn't arrive at Bible college feeling a sense or a call to ministry. In fact, I kind of got there by accident. But when I said yes to Jesus, when I, uh, I said, Lord, I will go where you send me, I'll do what you ask me to do, 
and just that deep sense, and he connected all those dots in my life. And there's so many other stories that I could share from when I was a kid, when I received the gospel, being in Hong Kong, being on that missions trip, in other places and other times where I heard the voice of the Lord, where the Lord stirred up the joy of my salvation in my heart and, and just expressed his love over my life. That I stood in that driveway and thought, Lord, I get to be a part of this. But here's the thing, you don't have to go to Bible college, you don't have to be a minister, that that is for everyone, that the, that the gospel is for you, it is for me, it is for every man, woman, boy, and girl, and, and that we get to receive the gospel and then we get to share the gospel. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Let me read that again. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul makes this statement at the beginning of the book of Romans, which arguably, argue, arguably is, is the book that really unpacks and speaks to what Jesus has done for us, that unpacks the gospel most fully. Romans chapter 1, really the, the, the first 8 to 10 chapters of Romans, really uh, Paul unpacks the nuances of what Jesus has done for us. But he starts it by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. That the good news, the good news is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I tell you what, if there's something to boast about, if there's something to shout from the rooftops, if there's something to post on your social media, if there's something to share with your neighbors and your coworkers, if there's something that you can brag and, and, and scream and shout about, it should be the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can get excited about. In our nation, we get excited about sports, whether it's football uh, or, or baseball. Of course, all of our baseball fans and all of our Dodgers fans are, right, they're just glued to the TV. They're watching the games. Uh, things have opened back up, and, you know, the Dodgers game just, just a couple of weeks ago was the, the biggest attended event since COVID started. You know, over 50,000 people showed up and wearing their Dodger blue to support their team. And, you know, you can't miss that Dodger blue. When you're walking around town, there was a game just a couple of days ago. My son was downtown. And he's like, oh, my goodness, Dad. When, when it's game day, there's Dodger blue everywhere. And what people are doing is boasting about their baseball team. How much more, how much more should we boast about what God has done? that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but quite the opposite, that we would daily declare who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Now, of course, we can make that weird. Don't make it weird. What we do is through our lives, through our conversations, that the good news would be just would just filter through in everything we say and everything that we do. It is the power of God for salvation. That's so powerful. Paul goes on to say, he says that in it, in this, in the gospel, in this good news, that, that the righteousness of God is revealed. 
The righteousness of God is revealed through the good news. And it's not just that we recognize the righteousness of God, it's that we get to receive the righteousness of God, that Jesus makes the righteousness of God available to us. In fact, he makes this interesting statement. He says that it's it's the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, from faith for faith, from faith in this regard. He says that we, we see that, we, that, the, that, we, that the righteousness of God is revealed to us as we put our faith in Jesus, as we would say yes to him, that we are saved by faith, and when we, by faith, put our hope and our trust in Jesus, we believe that, that God, God sent his son, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sin, that, that, that when we put our faith in Jesus, that our eyes are open to the righteousness of who God is. So it is from faith. It is, it is this faith that, that opens the door for us to receive the righteousness and the love of God. But then he says it's also for faith, that we live by faith. We live by faith. So we receive by faith, and then we live by faith. We walk it out, and we keep our eyes on Jesus. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says that, that in our faith, that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's who Jesus is. He is the author from faith and the perfecter for faith, that both of those are at work in us, that God has given us this faith and this righteousness, and that he is continuing to work that out in our lives. The writer of Hebrews says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep Jesus at the center. Keep the gospel, the good news of what he has done at the core of who you are as you walk this out. That we need to be daily reminded that Jesus is the source. See, it's not faith in an institution. It's not faith uh, in, 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 in righteous living or just living uh, a pi- you know, pious life. It's not through activity as it was for the, the church in Ephesus, that they were doing the right things, but they lost their loves. It's, it's not faith in programs or books. It's not faith in good preaching. It's not even faith in signs and wonders and miracles. As, as good as those are, those are the things that come after It is faith in Christ, faith in Christ alone. This is the seat of the power. This is the source of the power and the joy and the transformation in our lives. Just as a a side note, uh, I'm going to be starting a series soon on on the centrality of Jesus in our lives, how we need to keep Jesus at the center. So be looking forward to that. So it's this faith, this power that is work in us, will change our lives. The power that is at work in us, the power that is revealed by the gospel for salvation will transform our lives. It will change us and it will change the world. It will change us and it will change the world. 
In Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, Peter and John have an encounter with a man, and, uh, and he asks them, he reaches out to them, and he says, would, would you give me some gold? He's, he's a man who is crippled, and he says, would you give me, not some gold, would you give me some money? Would you just, would you help support me in my brokenness? Would you help to feed me? And in verses, in verse 6 of chapter, Acts chapter 3, this is what Peter says. He says, I have no silver or, and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, the right hand, and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What did, what did, what did Peter give to him? He didn't give him silver and gold. In fact, the, the, the miracle was the extra part. The miracle, what, what the restoration in his body was the secondary thing. What did, what did Peter give to him? What did John give to him? They gave him Jesus. They gave him the good news. It was the good news of the gospel that God had come to save him and to transform his life. He says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He didn't say in my name. He says, hey, if you just believe, he just said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In fact, later on, Paul, uh, Peter would say this in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, when he's being asked about what happened with this man. He says this, in, in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong. Jesus, that is. It's the name of Jesus that has made this name strong, who you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of all uh, of you all. The faith that is through Jesus, the faith that comes through the good news of Jesus has transformed his life. I want to close today with two reminders for us, two reminders. The first is this, the good news of Jesus is for you. The good news of Jesus is for you today, not just on the day you said yes to him, not just on the day you gave your life to him. See, the good news of Jesus for me didn't just wasn't just for the day when I was seven years old at that family camp and, and received him into my heart. That's not where the gospel ended. It's where the gospel started. It's where the good news and the power of God to transform my life started, that the good news is for you today. That you would be reminded today that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are accepted, that you are reconciled, that you are being made whole, that you belong, that you're a part of God's family, that God knows your name and that he has a plan for your life. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. And see, the, the lies of the enemy cannot stand in the face of gospel truth, right? We use that phrase. This is gospel truth. This is the absolute truth that the lies of the enemy, that the lies that the enemy would want to breathe against you and speak over your life cannot stand in the face of gospel truth. The truth of who you are and how God feels about you, his love for you, his redemption in your life, that the lies of the enemy cannot stand. So you are loved, you are forgiven, you are accepted, you are reconciled, you are made whole, and the list goes on and on and on. Church, that's good news. That's the best news. 
and should stir us daily. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to make sure that Jesus stays at the center of who we are, of all we are. But then secondly, the good news is yours to share. The good news is yours to share. The good news of Jesus is for you, but the good news of Jesus is also for you to share. And you share it by sharing your story and your your journey, what God is doing in your life. The greatest opportunity you have to celebrate Jesus is by telling people what he's done in your life. Your journey, your life, your transformation, even your brokenness. In fact, Paul says, I boast about my weaknesses because when I, when I boast about my weaknesses, that the strength of God is revealed in that. I mean, so often in our culture, we're like, no, I don't want to tell people about my weaknesses. I want to project the strength. I want to make myself look good. But God says this, that when you boast about your weaknesses and you talk about how God has met you, how Jesus has met you, how the good news has transformed you in the midst of your brokenness, the reality of that, that people's lives can be transformed, that Jesus is made known through that, that we would share about our hope, that we would talk about our Savior, the lover of our soul. So the good news is for you. Would you receive that today? But then also know this, the good news is yours to share. I want to close today by offering this invitation. If you are watching today and you've never said yes, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never accepted the good news that Jesus came from heaven, sent by the Father to live a life and minister here on earth, ultimately dying on the cross, going to the cross where he took your sin upon himself, where he paid the price for your wrongdoing and for my wrongdoing, for the things that we've done, we've done wrong. Jesus paid the price for that sin when he went to the cross. That that same Jesus, three days later, rose from the grave in victory, conquering sin and death and the grave, and has reconciled us to his Father. There's Jesus who gives us a hope and a future that he would say, I would love for you to say yes to me, that there is an invitation to you to say yes. If that's you today and you would say yes, I want to receive Jesus. I want to surrender my life. See, that's part of what we do is we don't just say yes. We, just, we don't just thank him for, uh, for forgiving our sins, but we say, Lord, you've given my, your life for, for me. I want to surrender my life. I want you to become the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Don't hesitate. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came with the gospel, the good news about the love of the Father and the new life that I can have in you. I surrender my life to you today. I repent of my sin and I commit to follow you. Lord, I want to walk with you I want to keep my eyes fixed on you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, would you let us know? You can click the the, uh, Connect Card button or you can send us an email at uh, prayer at thriveglendora.org and we would just love to celebrate with you and, and give you some resources that will help you as you start this journey. We just celebrate with you. Hey, if you already know Jesus, if you've already said yes to him, I want to encourage you today, would you receive a a fresh and new 
his joy, the joy of his salvation? Would you be reminded of the joy of your salvation today? And then would you share your story with someone? Would you tell someone about the good news? Would you, would you open your heart and open your mouth to share what God has done in your life? Tell someone, show someone, share the good news. In fact, here, I'm going to give you some homework to do. I'm going to give you an assignment right now. As, you, as we come to the conclusion of the service, if you're watching with someone today, when we end today, would you share your testimony? Would you share the story of how you came to know Jesus with those that you're sitting with today and let that be an encouragement to them. Church, you are loved. God loves you and I love you. I pray you have an amazing week. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.